0: Andrew Tate was arrested. A Texas father loses the right to keep his son from transitioning medically and surgically. And overall, masculinity is just under attack, even or maybe especially by the American Psychological Association. We're going to hear about all of these stories and more, plus a devotional. I'm Matt Odegaard, and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard. As always, I will be your host today. Thank you so much for stopping by and joining us. If you haven't already, you can go to any of the podcast places. You can like and subscribe and share if this is interesting to you. As always, I am trying to help you understand what it means to live like Jesus everywhere you go. Not just in your house, not just at church, but Everywhere at work, at school, at the grocery store, everywhere, and that is becoming more and more difficult to do. It seems, so we want to help you in any way that we can. If this is helpful to you, again, like, subscribe, share, do all the things. If you want to support, you can go to churchpublic.com/slash/support and do that there. So uh, today we are looking at a bunch of news stories to see what they mean, because as always. I try to give you current events from a Christian perspective, current events from a Christian perspective, because I just am not seeing a lot of that out there. A lot of conservative quote unquote people, a lot of liberal people and leftist people making comments about current news events. Not a lot of current events from Christian perspective. So trying to help you out there. But before we get there, uh, one of the things that I want to do more frequently this year, maybe I'm giving a challenge to myself, is to give more devotional content, more theological content, content from the Bible directly. So I want to start with that. And this one, I just wrote down how not to waste your life Uh, I think that's an appropriate start to the year. A lot of people are making resolutions and things like that and saying, hey, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this differently? How am I going to live this year differently? So hopefully this is helpful to you as well. I don't want you to waste your life. And I think God also does not want you to waste your life. So uh, this is just a good word that I was thinking about as I was thinking about what, what can I share for you. So This is Jesus in Matthew 16, and he's talking about life, and he's talking about your life, and he's talking about what are you going to do with your life. And he says, if you try to keep your life, try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life, if you lose your life, for my sake, Jesus says, you will save it. Um, And actually, I came across a good John Piper quote where he kind of unpacks this a little bit further. So we'll start there and then talk about it a little bit more. John Piper says it this way. Quote, life is wasted if we don't grasp the glory of the cross, cherish it for the treasure that it is, and cleave to it at the highest price of every pleasure and the deepest comfort in every pain. What was once foolishness to us, a crucified God, must become our wisdom, our power, our boast in this world. End quote. This is a really countercultural phrase, maybe maybe the most countercultural that you could even be. And that's a lot of what we talk about here, because if you really are following after Jesus, you're going to look different. You're going to live in this world, but not be like the world. You're going to look different from everybody else. You're going to do things differently from everybody else. And that's the thing that you should see in your life, number one. And Number two, I don't see very much in people who say that they're Christian. And that's one of the problems. That's one of maybe the black eyes that Christianity has. Christianity has this black eye where people just say, well, what does it mean to be Christian? doesn't mean anything to be Christian. Are you any different from anybody else? It looks like you're just like everybody else. And if that is true or said about you or said about Christians in general, then we're doing something wrong. Then we haven't really understood what it means to follow Jesus. And I think that's a really important point and something as we start this new year, we really need to think about. Do you look any different? Are you any different than the people in the rest of this world? And you should be. So this is a counter-cultural statement. This is a counter-cultural idea where you are not going like the culture. A lot of times this is represented by fish swimming in a direction and one fish swimming in the other direction. You should be the one going in the other direction. According to this world, if you believe in God and follow Christ, you are just wasting your life. That's what... The world would say you're just believing in some sky daddy or spaghetti monster in the sky or whatever, and that's not real. And you're just wasting your time and wasting your life. You should get on to just living your life. But in his day, Paul said the same thing to the Corinthians in his first letter to the Corinthians, Corinthians one or First Corinthians. Um, he says, "Quote for the foolish, I'm sorry, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing and spiritually dead, but." To those who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18. That's a really good verse. It's a really strong verse, but it's a really good reminder that 2,000 years ago and today, it's basically the same. People think you're crazy or silly or foolish if you follow after God. And Paul would go on to say, it's the most foolish thing if none of this is true. However, if it is true, it's the most important thing in the whole world. I happen to believe that last thing rather than the first thing. You can believe what you want, but this is the important thing. If you're following after Jesus, life is different and you're living in a different time frame. Piper points out in the phrase that we heard earlier, if we don't understand the real benefit of the cross, we're just wasting our lives. There's nothing in this world that matters more than Jesus and being saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And just like the Corinthians so many years ago, this might even sound foolish to you but it's not. This is not just a cute bedtime story or weird mythology or whatever. This is the real truth of the universe, that there is a God and that Jesus is his son. And this is the true story of how God loved the world so much he sent his son to die for your sins. And God wants you to be holy like he is holy. If you follow after Jesus, you don't actually waste your life That's the best thing you can do with your life. If you surrender to God and his plans, you have this everlasting blessing, not just blessing for today or even tomorrow, but blessing for all of eternity. And here's the caveat, the hard part. This life, in fact, may not be painless. In fact, it probably will contain a ton of pain, all manner of pain. But with Christ, it will also be full of meaning, of purpose, and of hope. The reality is this life does have pain. It's going to have pain regardless. But you can have meaning, you can have purpose, and you can have hope through Christ. And unfortunately, you're not going to have those things in the world, though they offer them to you. It is not actually true. In Christ, you don't waste your life. You make it count for all of eternity. That's the devotional of the day. I hope that helped you. Now let's get to some news. All right. So lots of news happening today. I wanted to highlight a couple of stories that I think are connected in an interesting way. And and really, they're connected in a way that is all about being a man. I don't know how else to say this, but that's just how it is. So Andrew Tate was arrested. Um, and some of you may know Andrew Tate. Some of you may not know Andrew Tate. Uh, the reality is it doesn't matter that much, but, um, if you're, if you're just listening, here's a picture of him, but, uh, getting arrested, he was in Romania, apparently where he was arrested. And that was a problem because he said a bunch of different times, Hey, if I'm ever arrested, uh, I didn't do it. And if I ever kill myself, I didn't do it and whatever. He, he, anyway, I, I'm not, I'll read a little bit of this, um, I'm not going to read a ton of this story uh, because I, I don't think it's actually even that interesting. Um, but but we will talk about it a moment just because it gets to a point that I think is a good point. So he was arrested. Uh, allegedly, um, this is according to The New York Post. Allegedly, he had detained a couple of young women and he were and he and his brother were subjecting them to, quote, physical violence and mental coercion, according to uh, the New York Post and the Daily Mail. Um, so allegedly, again, he and his brother kidnapped a couple of people. Um, it does It is interesting that his arrest in Romania came right after he had basically started a fight with Greta Thunberg about all of the cars that he drives and how much pollution um, that they they give, uh, which is kind of ridiculous, and and they they were in this online battle because apparently you can't make fun of the person who is the spokesperson for climate change, for lack of a better word. Anyway, is that related? I have no idea. Nobody really knows. Uh, that's that's the problem. But let's go back even further and say or answer the question, why was Andrew Tate popular? And if you've never heard of him, that's fine. I haven't paid that much attention to him, though I have known about him for a while. He has been very popular and famous, in fact, for being this trad guy. That's the new word, right? Traditional guy, masculine guy with the masculine values, um, all of these things. And he would promote these masculine values. And he said some things that were inherently true about being a man. And he said some things that were wildly wrong, immoral, and irresponsible. That's why I didn't really follow him. But apparently he was the most Googled person in the universe at one point last year. So he was very, very popular, especially with men. He was popular with men because not a lot of people are saying it's okay to be a man. However, we also have to say he was arrested for allegedly uh, pimping girls out in Romania because he lived in Romania and allegedly bragged about girls that he recorded doing things on camera that shouldn't be things that you do on camera. So he got arrested for the thing that he literally bragged about doing. Here's why this matters. I don't care about him. It's unfortunate that he got arrested, I guess, or maybe it isn't since he said he was doing the things. I don't know. All of that, it doesn't even matter to me. What, what is important here is he was a wildly popular person for saying that he was traditional and masculine, trad and masculine and all these things. But he is not conservative. And what he did was not trad. It was not traditional. It was not masculine. And it was definitely not Christian. And that's the thing that we have to point to. For some reason, he was insanely popular, especially with young men, because young men are young men and they need to grow up to be men. But there's not a lot of great example out there for who that is and what that's supposed to be because we don't look to the Bible. Uh, Andrew Tate claimed to be a Muslim, and there's a whole long thing about why he said he was a Muslim and why he said he was not a Christian specifically. I'm not even going to get into that today. It doesn't really matter that much to me. What I want to point out is he was not trad. He was not traditional. He was not uh, masculine in a traditional way. He was definitely not Christian. And the takeaway that we have to get to is that it is actually good to be masculine. Now, this is the thing we're going to hear about in a bunch of different ways today, because the world needs men to be men. But the world needs men who are moral men, not immoral men. For instance, this is going to go back a ways, and some of you may gloss over at this, and I hope you don't. I hope you listen to this, because I think this, this point is important. If you've heard of Machiavelli, who wrote this very famous book, The Prince, many, many, many years ago. If you know much about him, uh, you know, maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you read about him in school years and years ago. I don't know. But he became famous for being similar to Andrew Tate, believe it or not, being a masculine man. That was his trademark. However, his path towards being masculine, his path towards being this person was not a great path. And in fact, He was famous or infamous for doing things that were immoral to get to his ends. And in fact, one of his most famous quotes is the ends justify the means, which is a actual terrible slogan. That's wrong. The ends are important, but the means are even more important. And Christianity would say, actually, that's reversed, right? Christianity would say what you do every single day with everything you do matters more than the destination that you get to. You have to live a right life, a righteous life, a life that is holy, blameless, doing pure things, good things, true things, not doing whatever it takes for you to get to the end of your journey, whatever you see that as. Here's maybe a less known quote that kind of illustrates that. He says, the battle you win cancels out your mistakes. Do you see how that works, right? So he says that basically you can do whatever you want And as long as you win the battle, then it doesn't matter what you did along the way. That's just incredibly wrong. It's incredibly immoral. That's the way Andrew Tate allegedly has been living. And all these men are following after him. Or I would say all these young boys trying to be men are following after him. And that's not great. We don't want that. What we need is more godly men who are masculine leaders, boldly proclaiming truth and doing what is right here's a great verse for you. Flee the evil desires of your youth. Pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because, you know, they just produce more arguments. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone able to teach and not be resentful. That's 2 Timothy 2, 22 through about 24. That's a much better value to live up to, to be a man, to be a strong man, to live out your values, to live out your truth, but to do them in purity, to try to not get in fights, but also to not back down from what you need to say to be true. That's a much better masculine trait and what we really need to live up to as men of God. Don't be like Andrew Tate. Be more like God. So I think it's important to acknowledge that he was wildly popular for almost the right things. But just like a lot of things Satan takes, he takes almost and twists it into really not right. So speaking of unfortunate uh, and weird dad things and masculine things, we have to turn to Texas. And uh, this is actually a really sad story, but we need to talk about it because I'm seeing this more and more, and these are the things that we have to talk about. So uh, this is an article that I uh, picked up from a bunch of different places, so you can get it uh, in different places. I'll read mostly from this Christian Post article, but I, I saw it in uh, some other publications as well. And and unfortunately, the the headline here is that the, a Texas dad is barred from stopping his son's medical uh, transition. So the Texas Supreme Court ruled against a father seeking to prevent Chemical castration of his son. A Texas father, after the justices rejected his request to present his ex-wife from subjecting their son to chemical castration through the use of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, Jeff Younger has gained national attention for his opposition to his ex-wife's efforts to identify their son, James, as a girl named Luna and encourage him, James, to undergo experimental medical gender transition. So, in other words, this father lost the battle with, in Texas with the Texas Supreme Court to keep his son a son because his mom, his ex-wife, wanted to change the boy's gender from boy to girl. The father went on to say, quote, my children are now subject to being chemically castrated in California. Younger's ex-wife is Dr. Ann Gorgolas, I guess. uh, Who is a pediatrician? Uh, Of course. So this article goes on to say the justices wrote this petition arises from a child custody dispute involving twin boys, one of whom has exhibited confusion about his gender. The mother who has custody of the boys recently moved to California after a Dallas County District Court in September 22 authorized the mother to reside with the children anywhere in the continental united states continuing on on the article signed into law by democratic governor gavin newsom last year california senate bill 107 went into effect on uh, a week or two ago and makes california a sanctuary state for those who want to prescribe puberty blockers cross sex hormones or perform body mutilating sex change surgeries on minors california refers to these experimental drugs and surgeries as gender affirming care for children shy- showing signs of gender confusion um so there's a couple different things that we need to point out here. One is that this is really sad for the father and the father has lost control of what is going on. It is really sad for the country when California is apparently a sanctuary state for medically and chemically transitioning children. That's really sad. Um it also stands to point out that this while the treatment, if it will happen, will happen in California. This ruling happened in Texas. So you have to understand that it doesn't really matter what state you're in. It doesn't really matter what's going on. There are people who are politicians. There are local politicians. um, There are federal politicians who are going this direction, who are going full on, all the way progressive into this kind of thing. So we have to know, one, local elections make a huge difference. And two, it helps to Say these things out loud. We have to bring awareness to this kind of issue so that people know it is happening and what we can do about it. But there is an even bigger issue at hand. And, And this is something that, again, I don't hear a lot of people talking about. And that is the fact that this is only a symptom of the larger issue. The fact that this mother wants to take this son away from this father and change the son into a girl, a daughter, is horrific and terrible. But this is just a smaller, uh, it's not a smaller, it's a symptom of the larger issue. And the larger issue is that um, divorce is terrible. And we don't know what a man is, and we don't know what a woman is, and we're not going to be able to figure these things out until we really pay attention to the actual definitions of life and get back to reality. Uh, Even if you don't believe in the Bible and you don't believe in spiritual things, there's just biological reality that we're just... Ignoring. And I don't just mean this transgender thing. I mean, what is a man and what is a woman and what is a marriage? These issues really make a difference. This whole article, this whole uh, situation is about the transition of this poor child. But the larger issue is about divorce. This whole thing is about the divorce of this man and this woman, which is putting this child into this crazy situation. And I don't know much about it. And no one really knows much about it. But the reality is that's what we're really talking about. We're really talking about this divorce that has just destroyed the life of this poor child in more ways than one. And we need to remember that that's the ultimate thing that's going on here. That's really the problem of what we're seeing We don't care about marriage. We don't know what it is. We don't value it as a society. We don't hold it up rather than just saying, well, it's no fault. You just want to get married or you want to get divorced because you just don't want to be married anymore. Fine. There's no fault, right? It's the no fault divorce. This is a downstream issue of all of that, that we don't value marriage. We don't value families. We don't know what a man is. We don't know what a woman is. Men and women can be the same because I guess they are. There's no difference between them. These are all things that lead to, well, then change your son into a daughter. Why does it matter? It doesn't matter to those that are subscribing to this ideal. And as Christians, we haven't done a good job saying, no, marriage really is important. And we need to hold up the institution of marriage because that institution holds up literally the whole community and the whole city and the whole state and the whole country. Without these fundamental institutions, we don't know who we are anymore. And we just say, well... You be you and you just do this if you want to. You get divorced. It's no problem. You change your boy into a girl. It's no problem. As long as it doesn't affect me. That's what we say. But that's not good. That's not right. That's not true. It shouldn't be, we'll just get divorced. It should be, don't get divorced. Fight as hard as you can to not get divorced. Figure out how to not get divorced and build up your family in the best way that you can. This is how we should be. And it's going to take a lot of work for us to move from where we are into Where we need to be. All right. uh, One more quick story before we go today, because I don't want to end on that note. Um, Ah, no. I gotta say, I gotta say one more story before we get to the good story. So hold on. There's a good story coming, but we gotta say one more story before we get to that, which is not as great of a story. Anyway, they're all good stories. So that speaking of being a man, speaking of masculinity. Apparently, masculinity now is bad. And we already knew that. We already knew masculinity was bad. It's toxic masculinity, all of these things. But now we get to this weird place where apparently and literally masculinity is pathological. According to the American Psychological Association, they have now classified traditional masculinity as literally pathological, meaning that masculinity is... So bad that it is a pathology it's it's a problem that is causing all of society's problems and if you subscribe to feminine ideology, you may have already known this but but now the American Psychological Association literally classifies masculinity as pathological uh, this is according to uh, where are we looking at this? The Federalist. Uh, the article is, American Psychological Association says traditional masculinity is pathological. The American Psychological Association has released new guidelines for psychologists to help boys and men overcome pathologies. Uh, researchers say are caused by traditional masculinity. According to the APA, American Psychological Association, the socially constructed masculinity has held sway over large segments of the population and is defined by anti-femininity, achievement, a shul of the experience of the appearance of weakness, adventure, risk and violence. This notion of traditional masculinity is cited as the cause of several pathologies affecting boys and men including sexual abuse, murder, poor education, mental illness and suicide. Let's just pause there for a second and say the fact that men are uh strong and dangerous is who men are and who men always have been. The difference is, as we'll get to in a moment, are they good men or are they bad men? Men are going to be strong. They're going to be opinionated. They're going to be dangerous even perhaps. But are they in a good way or a bad way? Like that's the big thing here. That's the morality question. And this gets into, you know, Christian worldview. Is a person good or is a person bad? Is a person following after Jesus with a worldview that they're trying to um, live out the fruit of the spirit? Or are they living according to Machiavelli or Andrew Tate or whomever trying to make the world into their image and do whatever they want through force and coercion? That's the problem. This attempts to solve that through psychology, as we'll see in a moment. So, uh, according to the APA, socially constructed masculinity held sway over large segments. Uh, Oh, sorry, I read that one already. So, in the past 30 years, researchers and theorists have placed greater emphasis on ecological and sociological factors influencing the psychology of boys and men, culminating in what has been termed the new psychology of men. The report says, for instance, socialization for conforming to traditional masculinity has been shown to limit males' psychological development, constrain their behavior, result in gender role strain and gender role conflict, and negatively influence mental health and physical health. This, they say, has caused an overrepresentation of boys and men in many psychological and social problems. For example, boys are disproportionately represented among school children with learning difficulties and behavioral problems. I'm going to stop there and say, yeah. The, <laughs> sitting down, so, it mothers... Mothers of boys, um, sitting down for hours a day doing nothing but listening quietly is terrible for boys. Period. If if you are a mother of a boy, you actually know this. Every every mother knows this. School is designed for girls. It just is. It's currently structured for girls. I mean, I, I can go on and on about that. I think we all know that. Again, sitting nicely, properly, politely, not interrupting, not having energy, not running in circles. Like, that's just not how boys are, and school is designed that way, so it's inherently hard. I can even speak personally to this. It was hard for me. I, I struggled to sit still in school. I had a lot of energy. I sometimes still have a lot of energy. It's just the way that I am. However, just as a caveat, historically, school is not always this way. Men started schools and seminaries as places to learn about God and theology and life, and sadly, pretty much all of the schools that were started to teach men and women about God and theology and Bible and life and skills have become just leftist bastions, uh, leftist strongholds. Uh, and interestingly, not really, fewer and fewer men are attending colleges and schools like this now. But anyway, uh, don't want to read any more of this article, a little bit more. Article goes on to say uh, from the American Psychological Association, when trying to understand the complex role of masculinity in the lives of diverse boys and men, it is critical to acknowledge that gender is a non-binary construct and that is distinct from, although interrelated to, sexual orientation. And there it is. So (laughs) the point is, if you're a man and you do manly things, you're bad because men should be women. Let's continue reading. Heteronormative assumptions often falsely conflate sexual and masculine identity for men, as well as disregard, sexual attraction, gender role adherence for those who identify as a sexual minority, transgender, gender nonconforming, etc. And there it is, right? So this article is all about the fact that men should not be men. Men should be women or something in between or whatever that is, rather than men should be men. It gets back to the question, what is a man? This article this American Psychological Association as a whole across America for psychologists and counselors across America is saying men should not be men. And what is a man? Because you should just be minority, transgender, uh, gender nonconforming, non-binary, etc., etc. Psychologists must help boys and men recognize their masculinity has been defined by their life circumstances and therefore can be redefined. Aha. See, your biology does not determine who you are. Your spirituality doesn't determine who you are. You just redefine who you are to be whoever you want to be. goes on to say the American Psychological Association says professionals should help them create their own concepts of what it means to be male, end quote. And there you go. This whole article is saying psychologists, counselors, those that counsel young men should tell them you don't need to be a man. You don't need to act like a man. This is a really big problem. The reason I point this out is be careful. Be careful what counselor you send your child to. I don't know how long this has been in the teachings of the American Psychological Association. It may have been a long time. We'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see what happens. But I would be careful sending your boys or girls, for that matter, to counselors who say, I'm a professional counselor. And I learned professionally that. Professionals should help men or boys create their own concepts of what it means to be male. That is not a good way to learn how to be a man. I mean, any, again, to the moms out there, do you have boys? You all know that every stick to a boy is either a sword or a gun or something. Every sound is a rocket or a gun or something else that is dangerous because boys become men and men are dangerous. This is just true. True. You can try to tell them to create a different concept of what it is, but that's just the reality of who men are. Here's the caveat, here's the distinction. Men can be either dangerously bad and destroy civilizations or they can be dangerously good and save the world. This has literally been shown throughout all of history, and to ignore this, again, is just to be doomed to repeat it. This is why you get into these weird situations with Putin and the Taliban and all these other world leaders who all of a sudden are just evil and destroying all of these people. And you have, you have members of the academy, the, the academics, the elites, the liberals in the world saying, I can't believe this type of this type of like ruffianism, this type of toxic masculinity still exists. It always has existed. Of course it has. Men are dangerously bad if they are not good. That, that's just the way it is. And if you go to Romans, Romans says, We all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. In other words, we all have bad in our hearts if we're left to our own devices. But we can be. Dangerously good. We can be terribly good for the world. We can save the world. Think about Moses. He was a great and dangerous man. Joshua was a fierce commander of the armies of the Lord, and he was an incredible father and husband and leader. Then you have on the other side Stalin and Hitler and Mao and Pol Pot and Nero, all terribly bad, powerful men who needed to be stopped by powerful, good men. This goes back to the same base issue that we talk about all the time. Men and women are different, and that's actually good, and we want that, and we need to instill in men the goodness, the purity, the righteousness that I think can only come through understanding a biblical worldview rather than trying to make the world in their own image, a la Andrew Tate, Machiavelli, etc. All right, let's have a good story to end this out because we need to end on a good story. So uh, I'll read a little bit on this article and then uh, uh, I may have a clip for you about this because it's interesting. But um, so there's this guy named Mason Duchamp or Duchamp, depending if you're French or not. Uh, And I, I don't know how he pronounces his name. So I apologize for that. But. He is labeled the pro-life Spider-Man who climbed Salesforce Tower in California, according to Newsweek. I love this story. I love it so, so, so much. Um, so check this out. This guy. Uh, let's see if I have a little clip for you here while we do this. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, oops. Here we go. So, if you're not watching, it's kind of hard to see. I may run this again. Um, But there's a guy who is climbing the side of this skyscraper. It's pretty much unbelievable. I'll let the video run a couple of times. You you can barely even see him up there. He's he's right there. Right there. So, if you're just listening, this is a guy, just a dude who's climbing a giant skyscraper. Free solo, no ropes uh, for you climber friends out there. I mean... Pretty impressive, right? He's just he's climbing this building, um, which on its own is kind of cool. It's, it's kind of impressive that he's doing this. I'm not gonna lie, I, I've done rock climbing um, for years and years and years. I would never do this because I'm just not that good. He is that good. He's climbed several buildings. But here's why we're talking about this today. We're talking about this today because of the reason that he's climbing these buildings. I'll go ahead and turn this off for a second and, and just say, So this is this is incredible. It's incredible why he's climbing these buildings. He's climbing these buildings to end abortion, to end the killing of these poor babies through abortion. Uh, He has a great story. I'll read a little bit of this Newsweek article and then I'll I'll tell you um, some of the other things that I found out about him. Through another article, Um, Mason, who describes himself as pro-life Spider-Man, is an avid rock climber, faced condemnation from authorities for his Daredevil free climb up the 61-story building. It was the Salesforce Tower in San Francisco. He was protesting abortion. During his climb, he stopped to record a video that he later posted on his Instagram page. In the video caption, he was critical of abortion and a doctor from Washington, D.C., and explained his reason for scaling the building. He spoke to local TV station ABC7 after the climb and said he had been planning the exploit for a month, using Google Maps to assess the building. His protest came. Isn't this great, Providence? Isn't this his protest came the very day that Politico published the leaked draft majority opinion indicating the Supreme Court would strike down Roe v. Wade. I just love that. I love that. I love that he's doing this. I love that he is saying, hey, there's not a lot I can do. And I listened to another interview from him on the Michael Noel show. I, You know, I'll actually play you a little clip from that because he has this story that um, is just unbelievable. Uh, but I, I won't play the rest of the article or the interview. You can go and listen to it if you want to. Um, but but. I love that this kid, I think he's 22. He couldn't do a lot, but what he could do was climb. He could rock climb. So he said, I'm going to rock climb on a building. I'm going to free solo a building. And I'm going to do that so that to make awareness of abortion and the industry, and just to do this as a pro life, Spider-Man apparently as, as he calls himself, I, I just, I love this. I love this story because he did what he could do. And Um, he, according to this article as well, he spoke out against abortion, alleging that doctors are killing babies. That's according to Newsweek. Yes, doctors are killing babies. That's what abortion is. Um, he goes on to say, quote, we are not trying to yell at women who want to have an abortion. We don't want to blame them. We just want to let them know there are other options. Yes, correct. Like having the baby that is in your tummy, but anyway uh what do we say uh he faces two misdemeanor counts one of trespassing of one of resisting police investigation for not following police orders to come down (laughs) i love that he's like no i'm finishing to climb this building i love it i just love it um and he was released so i'm gonna play you i'm gonna play you this quick clip because this clip is my favorite thing about it he um he talks about this story because he talks about being in jail, right? He, he talks about going to jail for, for climbing the building, um, which was he was cited as trespassing. But then he, he actually says in the interview that they couldn't actually prosecute trespassing because he's on the outside of the building, which isn't technically trespassing. It's a whole thing. Don't climb a building. But this guy's amazing for doing it anyway. So he's talking with some people who clearly were in a gang, one in particular he had a conversation with about the value of life. And they asked him what he's doing. And he says, hey, I- I'm protesting the killing of babies through abortion. I, I want to save uh, these-, these poor babies. And well, I- I'm going to play this clip because I, I think it's worth it. And-, and-, and hopefully it's okay that I play it. I- we'll see how it goes. Anyway, so listen to this.
1: I've been in jail, but my-, my favorite jail story was from Oklahoma City. I was in Oklahoma County Jail. And whenever I go, I, I like to evangelize. Again, like, looking at people like Paul in the Bible, they, they, uh, they get arrested and put in prison and they say, I'm gonna grow my ministry. And so that's what I, I try to do in jail. And I, I tell them you know, why I'm in there and why I'm doing it. And one of the guys, he actually told me, he said uh, his girlfriend was pregnant. And what he didn't tell me was that they were planning to have an abortion. And about a week went by And Nathan Burning, the CEO of Let Them Live, the the charity I raise money for, calls me on the phone. And he says, hey, man, I just got a phone call from a woman who said that their boyfriend met you in Oklahoma County Jail. And they want to choose life. And so, you know, it was, again, like this divine timing. Like uh, what I do is such a farce, you know, like climbing buildings. It's just so silly. It's pretty cool. It's this mechanism (laughs) that I've used to be able to make a difference in this movement. And I just feel blessed, honestly, that, uh you know, I, I'm able to be the vessel for the Lord's work with something so silly as climbing buildings.
0: I love that. And if you couldn't hear the emotion in his voice, if you weren't, if you weren't seeing him talking, I mean, you can just hear him getting emotional that he talked to a cellmate, right? This, this this hardened criminal in jail for, for an actual crime, not just trespassing or climbing a building. And this criminal, through their conversation, decided to not have an abortion, decided to not make his girl go through with the abortion. And, and he literally saved a baby's life through climbing a building. I just I love that story. We need more of that story. And, and my point in sharing that story is I mean, it's an incredible story. And again, please don't go climbing buildings. That's probably not your gift. But you have a gift. And that's what I want to point you to. You have something. Uh, I have this microphone. I don't even know if anybody is listening right now. If you're listening, thank you. Um, if this is impactful to you, share it with somebody because I, this is what I can do. I can say these words. This is the platform that I have, as small as it is, whatever it is. I want to use this to impact the kingdom of God and hopefully. Save lives in one way or another. We've talked a lot about saving babies uh, over the years, and I talk a lot about all kinds of true things that might get you in trouble, but might also save lives, not just in this life, but the eternal life to come through faith in Jesus Christ. So I wanted to end with this verse. I just thought it was really good. It's Paul talking about food and the freedom found in food, which doesn't sound like it applies, but I think it does, and here's why. Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat, whether you drink, or whatever it is, do it all for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10.31. I think that's an important message for us. It doesn't matter what your gift is. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, but whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. I think that's the important thing to take away. I think the important thing is you you have a gift. You have a skill. You have something. And you can use it to build the kingdom of God. You can use it for God's glory. And I hope that you do. This is the year. I just want to say that to you. Just do it. Do something this year, whatever it is, however small it is. Do what you can do and do what only you can do because of where God has placed you, because he will not let that return void. God will use you. God wants to use you. You're the light of the world. You are the city on the hill, proclaiming the goodness of God. You are the salt of the earth, giving salt and light to this dark world. Jesus has given you that responsibility, and I hope, for one, that you use it. I hope you do something with it this year. I think you can, and I think you will. I think you'll be surprised what God does in and through you. For Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard, and as always, I hope that you will keep the faith.